0: We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis have for each other. I can't believe I get to marry him. We're perfectly compatible in every way.
1: Yeah, she just gets me, man.
0: Someone to talk to all night long.
1: Someone to talk to all night long
0: early morning jogs,
1: sleeping in late.
0: We'll spend the holidays with my parents.
1: We'll spend the holidays with my parents.
0: We'll have one well-behaved daughter.
1: We'll have four or five little dudes running around.
0: He'll help me pay off my debt.
1: I should probably tell her about all my debt. Is that important? We'll share a bank account.
0: Obviously, we're going to share a Facebook account.
1: <laughs> Do I need a friend my in-law's?
0: Someone to do my laundry.
1: Someone to do my laundry.
0: Double income.
1: Stay-at-home dad.
0: Meal planning, of course. Takeout. The city.
1: The burbs.
0: Mission trip. Ski
1: trip. Blue. Red. Dog. Fries. Rings. Potato. Potato.
0: Minivan.
1: Motorcycle. Two
0: words, finished basement.
1: Two words, man cave.
0: Uh, he's so smart.
1: Do you think that birds wish that they had hands?
0: We're going to be so happy.
1: We'll be so happy. I'm going to crush it at being a
2: husband. (laughs) Uh, What do happy couples know? Right now you're sitting out there and all, all the wives are like, yes, I've been dragging my husband out of bed for six months just waiting for them to talk about this. And all the guys are like, oh, no. He talked about guns. Last week he showed a boxing fight. It's just starting to like this guy. <laughs> no, I'm not so sure. Now, uh, it's obviously not going to be perfectly split between male and female, but there's some of us where when it comes to relationships, we're like, okay, let's figure this out. Let, let's talk. Let, let, let's get down to the nitty gritty. But and and so some of us, some of you wives have husbands who are total car guys, right? And and no matter what's going on, they're always under the hood. Always maintaining, always checking, always fidgeting, always doing something with the car. And but a lot of you are more like me. Like you don't want to work on the car. You just want it to work, right? You just want to just want to get in and drive. But you have this husband maybe who anytime you hear any kind of a rattle as you're going down the street, they're like, "We got to get this back to the garage. Got to get this thing up on my lift. I'm gonna take a look, right?" And it's just frustrating. Now, there, it, it, like I said, it's not gonna be a perfect uh, male-female split. So some of us. It are like that when it comes to relationships like okay let's talk about relationships let's figure this out and someone's like no i don't want to talk about relationships why do we have to do this this is stupid it, everything seems to be fine if if it's not broken do we really need to talk about it do we really need to work on it do we really need to change anything and the answer is yeah yeah, you do. Sometimes you gotta look, You got to look into it a little bit deeper. Sometimes you got to figure things out a little bit. Sometimes you got to mess with it. And, and for, ladies, that tension you feel when your car guy husband wants to mess with the car again, and guys, that tension you feel when your wife who's addicted to fixer-upper wants to add even more shiplap to your house and add yet another barn door to your house, that tension you feel when you're changing it again and again. That's the tension some people are thinking when they're thinking, I don't want to mess with this. Like, when I was a kid, my dad got our dog fixed. I don't want to fix our marriage. That like, just sounds not right. I don't want to be a part of anything like that, okay? <laughs> but I think there's also some wisdom in taking a look from time to time. I think there's some wisdom in, in evaluating a little bit. And, and today we're starting a four-week series called What Happy Couples Know, and I want you to know that th- this is going to be a little bit lighter. Those of you who have been with us throughout 2018, we did eight weeks in the book of James. And then even Easter, like there, there was some tension that I was purposely trying to create, try to create some angst in you so that hopefully you walk out of here thinking, okay, there's some things I can do to experience a fuller faith, a growing faith, a saving faith. And so this, this series, as we talk about relationships and marriage and things like that, um, there will certainly be tension that is brought up, because that exists within relationships, right? But at the same time, I want to keep it a little lighter, have a little bit of fun with it. Okay, we're, like Just so you know, if you're new to Fieldstone and you take yourself seriously, this is not the church for you, okay? like We're not a church that takes ourselves too seriously. I try not to take myself too seriously. Uh, and so we're going to laugh at some of the things that we experience in marriage. You saw the, the opening video there. Some of that's silly because it's real, right? You have some of those things going on. But I also want you to know that if you're here and you're not married, um, maybe you don't want to be married. Here's the thing. You still have relationships. You've got a boss. You've got coworkers, You've got a roommate. You've got family. And so some of the relationship dynamics that come into play within a marriage happen outside of a marriage as well. And so uh, maybe you're here and, and you're thinking, okay, i I'm not there yet. But I bet even though you're not married now, you probably have things in mind for what you would want to experience with a spouse or something like that. So, so wherever you're coming from, hopefully you can experience uh, something beneficial from this series. Uh, and if you are married, um, I hope that you walk out of here each week. You know, let's say, let's say you're on the side. We're like, hey, we're, Justin, we're a mess. This is perfect timing. We're a mess. I hope that you can hear some things and walk out thinking, Okay, there's some things we need to work on, but these are, these are tensions and issues that are more common than we thought. And so maybe we're not as far gone as we thought, and there's some things that we can do to take some steps and become healthy. And if you're on the other side and you're thinking, I don't want to take a look. I think we're fine. Everything's working well. We got things figured out. Well, maybe there's some things that if you take a look, there's a little bit of tweaking that you can do to, to get a little bit more healthy in your relationship. Okay? So that's where we're going over the next four weeks. Let me pray for us, and then we will jump in. God, thank you for uh, the chance to look at real life through your lens. And God, as we talk about marriage, as we talk about relationships, even friendships and, and interpersonal relationships that we have out in the world, God, I pray that as we dig apart some things from your word over the next few weeks, that we would walk out of here with a few ideas of what we can do to be a little bit more healthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we all have hopes and dreams, right? We all have hopes and dreams, even from young ages. I've got a son who thinks he's going to be a professional baseball player and a professional basketball player and a professional hockey player and a professional football player and maybe MMA, just to kind of depending on how things go. If he's got time, he'll get into the octagon. But so, so we grow up with these hopes and dreams, and, and that really gets accentuated as we start to enter into more serious relationships. Uh, even if you're, if you're single right now, maybe you're single on purpose. Whatever the reason, like, you probably still have hopes and dreams for, okay, if and when this happens, this is what I want him to be like. This is the kind of woman I'm looking for. Um, we, we still have those things, and that's certainly true if you're in a serious married relationship right now. You brought into that relationship some hopes and dreams and some desires for how things were going to look, right? So we've got our hopes and dreams box over here, some, some examples of things that we bring into a relationship that we're hoping for, that we would desire to have happen, Okay? First thing is the finances, right? We all have different ideas. Maybe um, you're expecting that at coming into the relationship, there's going to be one bank account or there's going to be two bank accounts. Okay, we're going to tithe some amount. We're going to give some. We're going we're to be generous with our money. And, 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 and maybe, maybe your wife handles the money and, and she reminds you every single day, hey, honey, this is totally fair. What's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. And, and so you just, you kind of came into the, the relationship with different expectations of how things were going to go, and, and you have these hopes and dreams of what's, what your finances will look like when you get married and get established and start going. So, so money is certainly one of those things that comes into play. Second thing is the house, all right? You enter into a marriage relationship, and things start to get serious, and you get engaged and all that stuff. You have hopes and dreams for what your house is going to be like. A lot like this bird feeder, perhaps. I don't know. This birdhouse, house. Um, but you have, you have, ex- you have these, these hopes and dreams for what's the subdivision going to be like? You can have a big, some big land where you can breathe and the dogs can run. You're going to be in a cool subdivision with, with great grass and sidewalks and your kids can ride the bikes. What's the house going to look like? Where is it going to be? What school district are you going to be in? We're going to start in an apartment, maybe a condo, or work our way up. We're going to do a starter house. How's this going to work? We're going to live in mom and dad's basement for a while. Everybody dreams of that, right? So you have these hopes and dreams for what your, your living situation is going to be like when you get married. Okay, Hopes and dreams, guys especially. You have hopes and dreams for what kind of automobile will be happening in your house. All right, Big car, little car, gas mileage, what's going to play in? We're going to save up our cash and buy one. We're going to do a loan. What's it going to look like? You know this can be important for guys. When Kathy and I uh, when Kathy and I met, I was driving a Camaro. Oh yeah, and I was like, "Hey, you want to go out sometime?" She was like, "What kind of car you drive?" And I said, "Camaro," and she's like, "Okay." That was the that's how I sealed the deal. It was the Camaro. So you, so you come, but then you come into marriage, and then maybe things change a little bit. And for Kathy and I, the discussion revo- literally d- revolved around not getting a minivan. We did not want a minivan. We were not minivan people. We stopped having kids at two, so we wouldn't have to get a minivan. Everything revolved around the minivan. So we ended up getting a a little SUV and and made do with that. But you come into a marriage, you come into a relationship with some hopes and dreams and desires for how things are going to be, and the car plays into that, okay? Uh, Eventually, you want to start having a family, and these are things that you talk about as you're getting married. You have different expectations, uh, maybe... Uh, maybe the wife grew up in a big family and she's thinking, "Oh, I would love to just have a big family with kids running around." And then we have a ton of grandkids. And maybe husband grew up in a small family, so you just you just get started, and you and you've got you just have a beautiful baby girl, and she's so cute, and you dress her in the pink, and she's calling you daddy, and you're like, "Oh, we love our baby girl. But let's let's try for a boy. Let's try for a boy." So you have another child, and you have another cute little baby girl. And they're just so cute, and Easter comes, and they got their flower dresses, and they got their hair all done, and they got this long, blonde, curly hair, and they both calling you daddy, and they say funny things like, you know, honey, I love our two little baby girls. I would just love to have a son, you know, somebody to play catch with and wrestle with. Let's try for one more. So you have another kid, and you have another cute little baby girl, <laughs> and you're just so happy with the family God's given you, and now you got five, so you get to get that minivan you've had your eyes on for all those years. You're know, like, okay, we've got a great, you know, we already, we're already outnumbered. We might, as, might as well have another one. Let's try for a boy, right? What, what are the odds, right? So you have another kid, and you have another cute little baby girl, <laughs> and everything's going so well, and then you have to reassess what your hopes and dreams were. <laughs> so you come into a marriage, and you've got hopes and dreams for what things are going to look like, right? Sometimes mom gets her way, and sometimes dad gets his way. So the family plays into that. Okay, your 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 schedule comes into play. The the time that you spend together. Are you gonna have dinner as a family? You're gonna work late? Are you gonna get to work early and get home on time? You know, how how are we gonna get the kids to practice? What's that all gonna look like? What are they gonna be involved in? What are we all gonna get, do together? How about how about date nights? Are we gonna get away? Are we gonna get a chance to get away from the kids for a night or two? Are we gonna are we still gonna have that time together? Some people come in and they just need their space. I'm uh I'm I'm uh, i am i am i fake it up here, but I'm a natural introvert, so Sundays after church, I just want to go home and sit in a dark room and be by myself and maybe watch a movie. But then Kathy's an extrovert, so she gains life from being around people. So we come off a busy weekend, and she's like, yeah, that was so awesome. I'm like, just leave me alone. (laughs) And so the different personalities play in, and that that affects your hopes and dreams for what things are going to be like when you're married. How who are we gonna hang out with? Are we gonna go out? Is it gonna be with your friends? Is it gonna be with my friends? And all these things play in to some of the hopes and dreams that we have. Okay. Then, and then there's you take out the daily stuff, and now you're talking holidays. Okay. Are we spending holidays with your family. Are we spending holidays with my family. Are we gonna start our own traditions? And maybe you're at the point. Maybe, you're, maybe in your marriage, like your wife's family gets Christmas, Easter, and Fourth of July, and your family gets like Groundhog Day and Cinco de Mayo, and, and, the, and the really big holidays like that, and you've got it all figured out, and everybody's happy. But holidays are a big thing. You, you talk to new couples, and uh, there's a couple couples in the room that I'm going to be doing some pre-marriage stuff with over the next couple months. We're going to talk about holidays, like what are your hopes and dreams for Christmas, your first year married? What are your hopes and dreams for the first Easter? What are some of the traditions? And all of that plays in, and we're bringing all of those things into a marriage. And then there's conflict resolution, Right? So those young couples that are in the room, this is part of it, okay? Get yourself some good boxing gloves. Every couple months, Kathy and I just got to strap them on and duke it out, right? That's how we figure it out. That's not true. Come on. That's supposed to be funny. Uh, but you <laughs> But you come into a marriage, you come into a serious relationship with some desires of how you're going to manage conflict. Maybe you want to throw it all on the table and wade through it. Maybe you just want to hold it in and have some time to process and then come back together. For some of you, it's loud and proud, right? In the, the Powell family, Kathy had to get used to this, and she did pretty well because she's a pretty tough girl. But uh, in our family, even if you're not fighting, it sounds like you're fighting, right? You, you just, we just talk intensely to each other, and Kathy's played into that really well. And we'll get into the conversations like, how could you possibly say that? right? Like, just because he averaged a triple-double does not mean that he's the MVP. It's ridiculous that you would even think that. And so we're just having these normal conversations, and it sounds like we're fighting. Our kids call us out on that a couple weeks ago. They're like, why are you guys so mad? We're not mad. We're just trying to figure out how to get the dishes done, okay? Just relax. <laughs> And we we're genuinely not angry, genuinely not fighting, but that's just kind of how we talk. And so you come into a relationship, you come into a marriage with different desires for how things are going to get figured out, right? And there's several things that impact what our hopes and dreams are, what our, what our desires are coming into a serious relationship. A lot of it is what you've seen, what you've heard, right? Okay, may, maybe, uh, you know, when we came out of college, a few of our best friends got married first, and, and so you start seeing their marriages, and you hang out with other people who are married, and you're like, okay, I, I kind of like how they do that stuff. Let, 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 let's let's kind of shape our marriage like that. You, you read, the, read books, and that shapes it. Okay, you read the wrong fiction book, and you get an interesting hopes and dreams for what your marriage will be like. You watch This Is Us on NBC, and all of a sudden, you're like, I just want someone to look at me the way he looks at her. You know, and uh, and all of a sudden your hopes and dreams start being shaped by what you've seen and what you've heard. But the primary thing that shapes our hopes and dreams when we come into a marriage is what we've experienced, okay? Your, Your hopes and dreams are reactions in large part to the home that you grew up in, good or bad. Or for some of you, your hopes and dreams for your current relationship are shaped based on what you experienced in a previous relationship, for good or for bad and we start trying to recreate something that we loved or protect ourselves from something that hurt us. So the things that we experience in our relationships play into what our hopes and dreams are, and that creates the first tension today that we experience in our relationships is is when you're talking about your hopes and dreams, what's at the center of it all? The center of it all is me. They're my hopes. They're my dreams. They're my desires. And that's fine, you have those things, but at some point, you have your box of hopes and dreams, and you're going to place it in someone else's arms. And the difficulty is that hopes and dreams, when given to someone else, usually feel more like expectations. And that's tough. And an expectation is, is a strong belief that something will happen in the future. It's going to happen. And any time you try to recreate something from the past or avoid something from the past, it transforms your hopes and dreams into expectations, what you believe will happen. So your hopes and dreams for your house, your hopes and dreams for the finances, your hopes and dreams for the kids, your hopes and dreams for the car you're going to drive, and even more things beyond that, when placed in the hands of the other person in the relationship, it feels like an expectation that that's going to happen. And eventually, you're bringing your box, they're bringing their box, and the boxes collide. And the hopes and dreams boxes, the expectations boxes, the me boxes collide, and we're forced to do something with that, forced to do something with that tension. And there's, there's five different things that we do when our boxes collide. We're going to hit four of them today, and we'll hit the fifth one next week. But the first four are, are negative things, Right? First thing we often decide to do when our boxes collide is we decide to leave. You know what? This, this isn't what I thought it would be. This, this isn't meeting my expectations. This relationship is not what I had in mind when we got started. And so you know what? I'll take my box back, and I'm going home. And we just get out of it. Just get out of the relationship and get away. We, we leave the situation because our expectations are not being met. Second thing we often do is we decide we're going to win we're going to win. And we use the four C's of unfulfilling relationships. We convince, we convict, we control, and we coerce. For me, that's using my debate skills, right? Powell's, you know, we're sharp. We're going to like, I'm going to beat you in this moment. If we have time to go think about it, then we're going to struggle. But right in the moment, I can convince you of something, even if I don't believe it myself. So we use, we're going to win that conversation. We're going to win that debate. A lot of times we use guilt, We use the past, we use our emotions, we use anger, we use the volume of our voice. Whatever it takes, my box is going to win. And if I can get to the point where you're carrying my box and I'm not carrying your box, I'm good with that. My expectations are being met, my hopes and dreams and my desires are playing out, I'm good, I won. So sometimes we decide to leave, sometimes we decide to win. Third thing, sometimes we decide to conform. And as individuals, we become something that we're not to protect ourselves from a spouse who won't accept us as we are. And so we conform to every demand. We conform to what their expectations are. And that, that works for a while. That can keep the peace for a little while. But ultimately, you just become a doormat. And you don't respect yourself. They certainly don't respect you. And there's not, there's not health in that relationship long term. So sometimes we leave. Sometimes we win, sometimes we decide to conform, and sometimes we decide to compromise. I'll do my part as long as you do your part. And you end up keeping score, there's not a lot of trust, there's not a lot of intimacy, it's very unfulfilling, and it sounds good. Compromise sounds good. In fact, you get a lot of advice from people who who are misguided in saying marriage is 50-50, marriage is 50-50. You've got to compromise. And that sounds good, but ultimately that's still about me because you're just trying to balance the scales where I'll offer this from your box if you offer that from my box. I'll, I'll make sure this happens if you make sure that happens. And we end up just tolerating each other. And, and you know, short term, that can be fine. If, you're, if your marriage is struggling and you just need to tolerate each other to get to the point of healthy, fine. But long term, that's not a healthy thing to do. So our boxes collide. And when our boxes collide, the the potential for success suffers. Then we come up on tension number two today because we've got our boxes and our hopes and dreams that feel like these great things turn into expectations. And when we dump our box of expectations on our spouse and expect those needs to be met, all you've created is a debt-debtor relationship. A debt-debtor relationship. You owe me. You owe me attention, you owe me affection, you owe me financial support, you owe me help with the kids, you owe me keeping your body in shape, you owe me patience with my weaknesses, you owe me clean laundry. Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what husbands are supposed to do. That's what wives are supposed to do. But here's the thing, in any other part of life, in any other part of life, what happens, how much gratitude, how much love is expressed when someone simply pays you what they owe you? Or what happens when someone simply provides the service that you've paid for? It's not a lot of gratitude there. There's not love expressed there. It's simply, hey, thanks. Whether it's retail or restaurant or the oil change place or your lawn service, if they pay you what they owe you, if they offer the service that you've paid for, there's minimal gratitude. There's been an even exchange. And the same is true for your marriage. And we all have, uh, we have these expectations when they're not met. Our spouse gets no credit for meeting our expectations becomes a business transaction and eliminates the potential for unconditional love. Right? I, I can't give you flowers because I owe you flowers. I can't give you a clean house because apparently I owe you a clean house. I can't give you love because I owe you love in exchange for what you give me. And across the board, love and acts of love can't be recognized and appreciated as love because it's given and received as part of an IOU transaction. And so we have these expectations where all of a sudden you come home and, you know, let's say, you, let's say that you're in a situation where the husband works all day and mom's a stay-at-home mom and husband gets home and there's dinner ready and everything's set and the house is clean. Well, that's an expectation that he had. So he doesn't receive that as an act of love. It's received as, well, I've been working all day, so you don't do anything, so you better have dinner ready for me. Or he comes home with flowers and is so, so thankful for what she's been doing. But she believes, hey, I let him go out with the guys last week, so I better get some flowers for that. And instead of exchanging love and acts of love, they're just received and given as just exchanges, one for one, this for that, the trade. So we have these box of hopes and dreams that we come into a relationship with and we're excited about and and ready to get going, but then we place them in the hands of our spouse and they turn into expectations, it becomes a weight, and those expectations turn the relationship into a one-for-one, a debt-debtor relationship. And you know what? Spending your life fulfilling expectations, fighting to break even, that can be exhausting. And I would have to bet that some of you are just worn out, Right? I can't make them happy. There's nothing I can do to make her happy. Nothing I do satisfies their expectations. Men, some of you want the house to be clean. So what do you notice when you get home? The parts that aren't clean. And you point that out, and she gets no credit. And her act of love isn't perceived as love, but it's perceived as an expectation that wasn't met or fulfilled. Ladies, some of you want your husbands to take a break and go play with the kids, but when he does it, it's not quite enough time. Like, the time you spent working isn't the same as the time you spent with the kids, and so that act of love to you and your children isn't received as an act of love, but as a below-average attempt to meet an expectation. So what do we do with our hopes and dreams and our desires? How, How do we how do we navigate that? And, the, and throughout the series, we're going to talk about some different things of what to do with our hopes and dreams box in a healthy way. You certainly don't want to ignore it. You, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. It's not a bad thing. There's some really good stuff in there, stuff that you should dream about, some, stuff that you should bring to the table. But how do you keep those things in the right box? How do you keep them from becoming expectations? I think to do that, you need to answer this question. What do they owe you? What does your spouse owe you? What does your significant other owe you? What does the other person in the relationship, whether it's a friend relationship or a coworker relationship, what do they owe you? I think happy couples know the answer is nothing. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they're owed nothing in return. And they take their cue from Jesus. In the, in the book of John, he, he lays out his expectations for how, how relationships should look. John chapter 15, starting in verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The joy in your marriage, the joy in your friendships, the joy in your deepest relationships will be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So how did he love us? How did he love us? Ephesians chapter 5, and this will be a chapter we come back to in the coming weeks. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. How? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for us. Christianity, our faith, isn't about getting what we deserve or giving to others what they deserve. Our faith, and by extension our relationships, are about getting what we don't deserve and doing for others what's been done for us. Sacrifice, submission, giving. And so this process, this, this transition from expectations into more of a healthy version of our marriages really reduces our relationships to a submission competition, a race to the back of the line. And it sounds tough. It sounds a little bit miserable. I, I mean, I worked with teenagers for so many years, and I always loved to grab, that. like, we, if we'd have pizza at some event, and, like, the youngest sixth-grade kid would go sprinting to the front of the line and be like, bro go you have a little teaching moment let me tell you about going last let me tell you about being a servant let me tell you about what that means within the context of this and it sounds miserable for the sixth grade kid who has to watch everybody get pizza first and it sounds miserable for the husband or for the wife that has to put the needs of their spouse ahead of their own in every circumstance and set aside their expectations and give them everything and expect nothing in return that's why so few do it but those who do they enjoy it and they live in the fruit of that submission and sacrifice, and they experience true love in their relationships. And that's where we're going to pick it up next week. Um, but I think some of you will probably want to engage in this a little bit this week if I've piqued your interest. I would love to direct you to a couple things uh, on Right Now Media. Uh, if you don't know what Right Now Media is, there's some info sheets on the Info Center back there. If you've not received an invite to that, we'd love to make that available to you. There are thousands and thousands of video resources on there, Um, and a couple I want to recommend to you if you've never jumped in there yet. Um, First one is called The Crazy Cycle, The Crazy Cycle, and another one is called The Art of Marriage, The Art of Marriage, and these are video series that you can follow along, and there's even little booklets that you can get to go along with it. But those are things that will really help you start to engage in this conversation with your spouse a little bit. Watch it together, right? And then there's a book I want to recommend. It's called The Five Lo- Love Languages. The Five Love Languages. If you've never read that, I encourage you to read that with your, with your husband or wife. Now, the, none of these resources are completely comprehensive, right? Five love languages is awesome, but it's limited and gets in some of the personality stuff, and there's other personality tests and things like that. But it'll get the conversation started for you so that as we engage in this series, uh, you'll have some things going on beyond the 30 minutes that I spend up here yelling at you. Okay? So as you go out this week, check out those things. If you need Right Now Media, let us know. We'll send you an invite to be a part of that. But I want to send you home with this question What's in your box? What's in your box? What are your hopes and dreams that have potentially turned turned into expectations for the one that you love? And who are you asking to carry that box around? Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, I pray that we would take this and process it. And God, I pray that through the next three or four weeks that marriages, families, even friendships would be different because of some of the things that we talk about and some of the things that you give us over the next few weeks. Uh, Give us a great afternoon together in Jesus' name. Amen.